Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. So tonight, of course, beginning of January, January 4th, we're right at the beginning. So it's New Year's. It is time for those New Year's resolutions. How many of you guys have already stuck with them for the first four days? Don't, you don't have to actually answer. You know, uh, if the statistics are correct, then it would mean, uh, statistic-wise, half of you guys have set some kind of New Year's resolution. And do you know how many actually stick with them? Well, here's what they say. They say of the people that make New Year's resolutions, 9% actually see them through. In fact, there's an app that you can download on your phone. It's, like a, it's an app that tracks workouts and runs, and it's called Strava. And so they kept track of the data in 2019. They, people logged 800 million exercise sessions. Do you want to guess when the majority, I mean vast majority of people quit logging? January 19th. So the good news is you only got a couple weeks to go. You got this. You can make it. (laughs) Keep those resolutions going for the next two weeks and you can do it. See, I always like to look on the bright side of things. So, you know, we make resolutions, right, for a reason because we want to make a change, right? It's pretty simple. I mean, maybe, I mean, if I went around and interviewed you guys, and don't worry, I'm not actually, even though there's a microphone here, I'm not actually going to do it. But if I did... I'm sure we all have something we want to change about ourselves. I mean, a lot of resolutions, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to change careers this year. I want to have better mental health. You know, I want to have a better relationship with my family, maybe a better relationship with Christ. And a key to changing your life, I think, is changing the way that you think. See, our mindset determines a lot about where we go in life. It determines a lot about what happens to us. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about and dig into God's word and see what he says about the way we should think. Because when we think more like God, we're going to see some big changes happen in our lives that are going to bring tremendous blessings to you. And so it has the power to actually transform your 2023 And I promise if you do these things, you can actually make it beyond January 19th. I promise. So the first mindset change we're talking about is focus. So I'm all about focus right now because I am knee deep in learner's license Hades. Let's just say that. I can see by some of your faces you've been through the point of taking a child through their learner's license and I can tell by the looks on your face, you are not okay from it. And so it's, it's not helping me because I'm right in the middle. So I'll, I'm just going to move along. So he, actually, my son's doing a pretty good job. He's, he's, uh, he's still learning. We haven't really done the interstates here yet too much, but we did start doing the feeders. So one Sunday, we were pulling out of church. That's why you should leave before I do. So we, we were pulling out of church and... Um, I was going to have him turn right on the feeder up here. Now, if you've 
and we had to go north. So if you've ever done that, you ever turn right and then try to get all the way over into the far lane so you can swing around and go north, it can be a little frustrating because nobody slows down. Everybody's going 100 miles an hour and you're trying to navigate. So I thought it'd be a good test for him. So he gets in and he starts inching his way over to turn around. But the problem was, is on the interstate that particular Sunday, there was some kind of traffic jam happening. So these crazy people were starting to jump the interstate onto the grass and come down onto the feeder. So as he's inching over, he starts slowing down because he's seeing people come over the grass and he's wondering, what am I going to do? What should I do? And then he actually stops in the middle of the feeder. And, you know, I'm a pastor, so I'm supposed to be very mature and very level-headed and things like that. So I did what a level-headed pastor would do. I started yelling at him, what are you doing? Move! Go! We're going to die. I actually didn't say the part about we're going to die. I probably did think it, though. So, yeah. You know what? No judgmental looks here because the Lord knows what you've said to your kids in the car. We did make it home safely, thankfully. And you know what? He is actually, he's improving. He's getting better. He even tackled the interstate when we were out in Georgia for a trip. So, but I read this meme the other day. It said, uh, on, someone had shared it. It said, I love almost dying and being told to chill by my teenage driver. <laughs> That's how I feel. You know, the thing about when you're, when, you're getting a, when you're teaching a teenager how to drive, the one thing you become very hyper-aware of is their focus. Like, where are they looking? You're constantly looking to see where are they looking because where they're looking may determine whether you die or not that day. So imagine for a moment you get into the car with your teen and they get in the car, put their seatbelt on, put it in the drive, and they... Look at the rearview mirror the whole time as they start depressing the gas pedal. What are you going to do at that moment? You're going to have a freak out moment like I did. You're going to have some words to say to them because we all know you can't move forward if you're looking at what's going on behind you. If you spend the majority of the time looking in the rearview mirror, it's going to create problems. You see, the interesting thing is in our own life is sometimes we spend the majority of our time looking in the rearview mirror. And just as it does in a car, the more time we spend looking in the past, the harder it is for us to move forward. And trust me, I, I'm not judging you because I have the same issues. I mean, truthfully, it's weird. My wife can, I can be in the kitchen and my wife can ask me to grab something. Uh, literally the other night I was going to the kitchen, she asked me to grab a bottle of water and I got in there, I did something else and came back and sat down. And she's like, where's my water? I was like, I forgot. I can do that, but literally within five minutes, I can remember a conversation I had 20 years ago and what that person said, what I said, and how it hurt me. It's amazing how that happens. Or I can, um, I can start thinking about things I did in high school or said when I was younger and how embarrassed I am. You, you ever refought an argument that you had like five days ago, maybe five years ago, you know, and you're, you're saying, I should have said this, I should have said that. You're kind of going through all the things, you're refighting it. I mean, things stick with us. I mean, wives, have you ever still been mad at your husband two days later because of something you remember you dreamed? But <laughs> I'm not, I am not going there. Here's the thing, though. For me, the more I think about the past, the more I focus on the past, the less 
aware I become of the present and the less I become connected to what's going on around me. And that's not good. I mean, that what if game, that can be a real problematic thing. When you start asking yourself constantly, what if? What if I had done this? What if I would said that? What if I had made this decision? What if I could have saved myself 10 years of pain if only I had done this? Or what if this person hadn't done this to me? Where could my life be now? And you start saying all these things and it becomes a slippery slope. In fact, one uh, anonymous writer said this, the past is a guidepost, not a hitching post. So what, that's what happens when you focus primarily on what happened in the past is that you hitch yourself to it and you stay stuck. You don't move forward. And you know, the good news is though, there is a way forward. There is a way to, to stop doing that. And here's the really good news is it's not because uh, moving forward, God makes that possible. See, a lot of times why we don't move forward is not because God's unwilling to help us. It's because we're unwilling to let go of something that happened a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. Something in the past is keeping us from moving forward. The past is helpful for teaching us, but if you stay there, it's going to put your life on pause. To move in a new direction, we've got to start living in the past and we've got to start focusing on what God wants to do in our lives right now. And we actually see that happen in a guy's in the life of a guy named Joseph. Now, I don't, I don't know if you maybe know Joseph's life, but I thought I would kind of explain the high points just in case, review it. So Joseph was uh, born into a really large family, but it was a special family. They had a calling from God. This was going to be an important family in history. And Joseph was one of the youngest in the family. But he was also one of the most favorite of the kids, probably the most favorite of the kid. And that did not endear him to his brothers. In fact, they didn't like him very much. And things only got worse when he started telling his family about all the dreams God had given him because these dreams were all about him becoming the leader of his family. And you got to remember, in that culture, the, the kid brother never became the leader of the family. He stayed in the back. So when they heard that, that really made him angry. In fact... Life got so bad for Joseph that his brothers decided to kill him. Then they threw him in a pit and figured, well, let's make some money off of him. So they sold him as a slave, and he was carted off hundreds of miles away to Egypt. And you think your family reunions are difficult. <laughs> Imagine having that family. You know, see, it's, it's really tempting to think of Bible characters as sort of these two-dimensional characters in a novel. But that's not really the truth. I mean, they were real people. They had real emotions. They had real thoughts. They had real lives. They felt real pain. They're real people. So for a moment, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Imagine you're, you're walking to Egypt. You're bound. You're being led away by strangers. You're no longer in control of your life because you're a slave. Your own brothers sold you. You were betrayed. I mean, if Joseph was looking in his rearview mirror, what he would see is his brothers counting the money they had made from selling off his future. That's a tough place to be. Actually, it might not even be that hard for you to imagine. Maybe you've dealt with betrayal by somebody you loved and you trusted, a friend, a spouse, family member. So maybe you understand a little bit about how he must have felt as he thought back to his brother's sitting there counting the silver. 
as he's being carted off as a slave. So what if Joseph had focused on that scene? What if he had stayed focused in the rearview mirror? What would have happened to him? I mean, he would have thought constantly of being stuck in that pit, the pain and the betrayal that came from his brothers. I mean, don't you think that would have just stopped him cold? His life would have just been over if he had stayed focused on what had already happened to him. Because that kind of loss, that kind of betrayal, that can really wreck a person. I think he would have given up. See, whenever we focus all of our attention on the problems of the past, you know what happens? We forget the God who is faithful in the present. And one, one theologian said it like this, when God is preparing a bright future for you, don't cling to the things of the past. And I think that's how Joseph was able to walk forward in spite of what had just happened to him. Because those dreams that God had put into his heart, those dreams that God had given him, he still held on to those. He still believed, in spite of this really bad situation, that God could still make those dreams happen. See, the more he held on to the future God had for him, the more he was able to continue walking. The less he focused on what happened in the past, the more he could focus on what God was going to do in the future. See, the disappointments that we face in life, they don't, this is really important, they don't nullify God's word. Nothing that's happened to you in your life so far can void out one single word that God has spoken. There's nothing anyone can do to you that can erase one of God's words. And that's really important. In fact, as Jesus' followers, we have to keep God's word in our heart and in front of us because that's what we keep holding on to even when things are difficult. In fact, I like how Paul wrote this in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. He said, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Warren Wiersbe, a pastor, commented on that verse. He said, So forgetting those things which are behind does not suggest an impossible feat of mental and psychological gymnastics by which we try to erase the sins and mistakes of the past. It simply means that we break the power of the past by living for the future. We cannot change the past, but we can change the meaning of the past. See, you don't have the power to change your past. That's the one thing you can't do. You can't change what you said, what you did. You can't change what someone else did to you. But what you can do is you can trust the God who has the power to take a broken past and can build a beautiful future. See, so that's the power of God's word is that he can redeem things. In fact, there's, we leave what we happened in the past and we strive and we push forward. We press towards God's goal. In fact, there's that phrase, straining toward. It also has this idea of looking intently or staring. So imagine what Paul's saying is when we're leaving the stuff in the past and we're forgetting it, what we're doing is we are, stra- we are staring intently focused on the prize that God has for us. See, we're thinking about the goal, which is living with Jesus. 
And the more we think and we focus on living with God and living in his kingdom forever with Jesus, the more we actually begin to live out that kind of life right here and right now in spite of what happens around us. In fact, I think that sports is a great analogy for this, what Paul's talking about. So this past Saturday, it's a miracle I'm up here because this past Saturday, my, my football team, the Georgia Bulldogs, played in the college football national championship. So, yes, go dogs. I will say it. <laughs> and they were playing, and I almost had a heart attack because – Going to the fourth quarter, they were down 38 to 24, and they were the favored team, but they had made mistake after mistake after mistake. It was a terrible game for them. They did not play up to their abilities at all. I mean, I almost shut the TV off and gave up in the, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I was like, I can't take this anymore. It is too damaging to my personhood and my health. I mean, I was screaming at the TV. My wife said, if you don't stop, we're going to not watch this anymore. I wasn't cursing, I promise, but I also was not saying encouraging words either. I'm going to be honest. I did not have kind things to say to that football team at that moment. It was rough. But, you know, one of the things that the coach of Georgia, Kirby Smart, he said, he said, the guys never gave up. So if you think about it, so they're down 38 to 24. They played a terrible game. They're heading into the fourth quarter. Do you think that team would have a chance to win? If they spent the entire fourth quarter thinking about what had happened in the first 45 minutes of the game, they would have lost. It would have been impossible. Because they would, if they would have just focused on every mistake they had made, they couldn't do it. Focusing on the previous 45 minutes doesn't win the last 15. And what happened was, is, amazingly, this team just put it all behind them. And they actually outscored Ohio State 18-3 to in the fourth quarter. They won by one point. Again, I almost died. <laughs> you know, sports commentators often say that the best quarterbacks are those that have a short-term memory. And the reason is, is when they throw an interception or they make a, make a mistake, they're able to put it behind them and keep going. That's the only way you win. You can't win by constantly just focusing and keeping your minds just fixated on every mistake or every problem that you've had, everything that didn't go your way, that's not going to help you win. And as Christians, we have to do the same thing. We have to press on, press toward where God's calling us because when we press towards the prize, we can let go of the past, and that's how we can win with Christ. So for this new year, that's what I'm encouraging you to do is put God's word before you so that every day you're pressing on towards that. In fact, Bible 365 is a great way to do that because every day you're getting God's word into you. It's on the app. It's on the arc.info. Every day you're getting that so you're being able to constantly remind yourself of what you're pressing towards so you don't have to focus on what's behind you. I love this quote. It says, you can't change the past, but the past can change you either for the better or worse. It all depends on how you look at it. The past can be a rudder that guides you or an anchor that hinders you. Leave your past mistakes with God and look to the future by faith. So when Joseph got to Egypt, he kept moving. In fact, he moved all the way up the ladder to where he was the head of the household that he was serving in. But then that's when bad things happened again. Joseph had a lot of bad things happen. A lot of things that didn't go his way that wasn't his fault. He was accused of a crime he didn't commit, sent to prison. But what I love about Joseph is he didn't sit there 
bemoaning the fact that he was accused of, some, of a crime he didn't commit. He just kept moving. And he became the leader of the prison. God was with him. And he became a leader again. He was elevated and elevated and elevated because he kept trusting God. He kept trusting that God was going to help him and that God was with him. And that's when his moment came after even years in prison. Finally, Pharaoh has these dreams that no one can interpret. And that's when his butler, his cupbearer, remembers what meeting Joseph. And Joseph had interpreted a dream while in jail. So he calls for Joseph to come forward. God gives him the interpretation. And all of a sudden, Joseph goes from the prison to second in command of Egypt, the, like literally one of the greatest empires in the world at that time, all the way up there. And it's amazing because God, you see very clearly how God kept his word to Joseph. And I love what, Joseph, what happened in Joseph's life a little bit later, right after he had kind of become a leader. He got married. He had kids. And here's what he said in Genesis 41, 51 through 52. Said so Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. I mean, I can imagine... If we had everyone share, there's some of you that have been through some things that I couldn't even understand. Your past is filled with some really difficult situations and circumstances and people. But Joseph's story is a testimony that just like God can heal our bodies, God can heal our hearts. That in spite of our past, God can bring healing to us. I mean, look at Joseph. With all he went through. God brought healing and wholeness to him. You know, it's really interesting. <clears throat> this is one of the things that I had not noticed or really paid attention to before. It's always interesting how you're reading God's word and you're seeing things that you weren't, you didn't see before, you didn't think. And it's neat how the Holy Spirit does that. And this is what I noticed about this, this story where Joseph's talking about naming his sons. Is that you may realize this passage where Joseph has his sons, it comes before the passage where his brothers show back up. So here's a really interesting thing about it. Is God healed Joseph's heart without Joseph getting any closure from the past. He said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. He said that before he ever got an I'm sorry, oh, we were wrong, we made a mistake, we hurt you and that was wrong. He said those things about what God had done in him before he ever heard any of the other. See, I think one of the things that happens is when we stay focused on the past, we're staying focused on the past because we never got any closure. And I wish that this weren't true, but it is the truth. There are some people in your life who have hurt you who will never apologize to you. They will never say they're sorry for what they did. They'll never even think they were, did anything wrong. There's situations that are unfair in your life that cannot be closed in the way that you want to, where you feel that closure. You're like, okay, I can move forward now. But here's the good news. God can heal you without getting closure. You don't have to stay in the past waiting for something to happen that may not happen because God can help you to move forward right now where you are. You see, the God who brings dead things to life can redeem your past. And he can bring healing where it doesn't feel like you can have healing. Closure on the past is not necessary for God to heal your soul. 
We see that in the life of Joseph. God can do it by his power. And that's why letting go of the past is really an act of faith. I mean, think about it. Living in the past, staying focused on the past is not faith-filled. You know why? Because you lived it. You saw it. You experienced it. It doesn't take faith to believe in something that you experienced and saw and lived through. But what does take faith is believing that God can move you forward in spite of the things that happened in your past. That's faith because you're trusting God to do something you can't see right now, but you believe beyond a shadow of a doubt he can do it. That's how Joseph lived with faith. He was in Egypt, a slave, a prisoner, but he believed God could keep his promise. That's faith. That's walking by faith. Only the God who has the power like that has the power to redeem your life. You know, some of you might even be thinking, though, because I realized some of this can sound kind of heavy, and maybe you're thinking, you know, I, I get that, but my brothers didn't sell me as a slave, and I've never been to prison, and I haven't experienced some of the other things you've alluded to. It's, I really don't see how this applies to me. But what's interesting is sometimes it's not the big things that hold us back. Sometimes it's the small things. It's a conversation you had with a family member a few years ago. It's something your boss did to you a few years ago. It's something from your first year of marriage that keeps resurfacing. There's all these little things that if you don't let go of them, you will stay hitched to them in the past and it will keep you from moving forward. And those small problems sometimes can create big issues. So it's important that we recognize that we all have to move forward and not hold on to even the smallest things of the past that are trying to keep us locked in there. And then in the great turn of events in Joseph's life, he did meet his brothers. Now, they did not expect to meet their long-lost brother standing in a position of power over them. <coughs> but what I love about Joseph is that he didn't punish them. I mean, he had the power to do it, but he didn't. He forgave them. And actually, this is something that Joseph said to, the, to his brothers, and I love it, in Genesis 50, 20. Says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done now, the saving of many lives. You know, when you change your focus from living in the past to living in what God is doing in your life right now and what God can do in the future, then you're able to see how God can take a terrible situation and use it to, to save lives. Because you're, you're filled with faith. You're believing that in spite of what I've been through, I believe by faith God can turn things around. That God can make my biggest failure, my biggest problem, my biggest source of pain, he can turn it into my greatest victory. And what, what could have been worse for Joseph at that point than to be sold as a slave into a country literally hundreds of miles away? There couldn't have been a greater source of pain for his life at that moment to be ripped away from his family but then have been betrayed. And yet it was that very act that God used to turn into Joseph's greatest success, the success by which he saved his entire family and a generation of people and through whom we're now blessed because Jesus came through that line. The greatest defeat became the greatest victory. I mean, that's the gospel in a nutshell. Think about it. Jesus, our greatest defeat, sin, was redeemed and turned around through the life of Christ. See, God is the God of turning things around, of taking what seems impossible and doing it. Jesus said this in John eleven twenty five. 25. 
And this is when he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Jesus' resurrection is the proof that God can fix the unfixable. That God can take death and bring life out of it. That the same, and think about it, the Bible also says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us, which means that same power of fixing the unfixable, that same power of bringing death to life can take whatever has happened in your past and redeem it and can bring healing from it. And it can actually turn it to the good of helping others. It, we don't want to hold on to the old stuff when Jesus wants to do something great in our lives right now. It actually reminds me of a story. Many of you may know this story because it's been told a lot, but it's the story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. They were missionaries to Ecuador in the 1950s. So they went down there to minister to this tribe that had never heard about Jesus before. So they're down there, they're making contact, building relationships. And then in 1956, Jim Elliott and four other missionaries that had gone with them, they were speared to death by some of the members of the tribe that they had been ministering to. Could you imagine what his wife Elizabeth must have felt at that moment? You're, you're, you're leaving your family, you're leaving your home, you're going to another country, you're sharing about Jesus, and your husband gets killed for that. I mean, it would have been so easy for her life to get wrecked. I mean, I've seen people who've lost loved ones and their lives have just fallen apart. I mean, can you imagine what she must have felt? I mean, what, what would you have felt? You, you'd want, I mean, a lot of us, what would, we would want revenge, right? Retribution, justice, make them feel what we felt. Get back at them. Maybe just quit. But what I love about Elizabeth Elliot is this is what she did. A little bit later, her and her daughter actually moved back to that tribe. And she continued sharing the gospel with the people in that tribe. And Many people became followers of Jesus, including, and this is the amazing part, Elizabeth Elliot led to Christ the very man that had stabbed her husband. How does that happen? Well, this is what she said. Elizabeth Elliot, this is her own words. She said, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. So that doesn't happen if her focus is on the past. It only happens because she was focused on what God could do in the present. This, uh, a pastor one time remarked, God has the power to straighten out what is twisted and supply what is lacking. He cannot change the past, but he can change the way the past affects us. So really the question comes down to, where are you looking in 2023? Where's your focus? Are you focused on what's in front of you? Are you looking through the windshield? Or are you constantly staring in the rearview mirror? Because the answer to that question is going to have a really, really big impact in the direction that your life goes this year. A few years ago, I went through a thing where I had been working on a really big project, something I had been working on for years, was excited about, really felt great about. And just to be completely honest, it failed miserably. And it gutted me. And... The problem came in not just that, the, that it failed, those things happened, but the problem was I spent a year stuck in thinking about the failure. 
constantly reliving the failure, questioning myself, questioning everything about it. And the more I stayed stuck thinking like that, the more I just didn't move forward. It was only that moment, it was actually in a January, where I said, I'm not going to stay stuck in this anymore. I'm going to see what God, I'm going to be faithful to do what God wants me to do right now. And then when I began doing that, and I just said, I'm just going to do what God's calling me to do right now, and I don't care that that failed. It was an amazing thing. Over the next couple of years, God began to open new doors that I had not expected. And God began to reverse the failure into success. So that's why I say, how you, thank you. How you answer that question about where your focus is, is going to have the ability to change your life. That's the power of thinking the way that God wants you to think. Because it can make all the difference in the world. I mean, think about your marriage. What is your marriage going to look like if your focus isn't on the past but on the future? On what God's doing in you? What, are your, what is your relationship with your kids going to be like if your focus is on God? What is your work going to be like if your focus is on God and not what happened in the past? What could you actually do for God if your focus was on him and not on what happened in the rearview mirror? That's a powerful question. What blessings could come if you simply shift your focus? St. Augustine was a bishop in the early centuries of the church, and this is what he said. Trust the past to God's mercy, the present to his love, and the future to his providence. The key is to focus on God in every moment of your life. What does he want to do in you? What is he doing? And believe that he can do amazing things in spite of whatever you've been through or whatever you've seen or whatever happened. 2022 may have been the worst year of your life, but that does not mean God cannot make 2023 one of the best years. But I promise you, it's all about where you choose to put your focus. If you think only about what happened then, nothing will change now. But God, when you put your faith and your trust in him, I promise you, he can work miracles. Let's pray. Before I pray for everybody here, I just want to take a moment to give you the opportunity to say yes to following Jesus. You see, here's the thing. The only reason we have this kind of hope for a future and for blessing and for redemption is because of what Jesus did for us. And it's as simple as just saying, yes, I want to follow you. That's as simple as it is. We're not going to make you stand up, come to the altar, do anything that, that really sets you apart other than just asking you while everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. If you'd like to say yes to Jesus tonight and let him know you want to follow him, just simply, or come back to him, just simply raise your hand while everyone's not looking and just kind of let us know you want to pray that prayer. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, we're going to pray a prayer together. And whether you raise your hand or not, if you pray this prayer, you mean it with your heart, it's going to be true for you. And I'm going to ask everyone to join in praying with us so we can kind of support those that are praying this prayer tonight. Just repeat after me. Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. 
and God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven, and I have a relationship with you. I am a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Lord, I just pray for every person here. I pray that just as you changed the life of Joseph and just as you redeemed what was a horrible past and turned it into a great success and how you brought healing in the most difficult moments, I pray for each person here, regardless of what they've dealt with, regardless of what their past was like, regardless of what this past year was like, I just pray that you'd bring healing and hope and blessing in this coming year as we focus our hearts on you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.